Good morning. I hope you're feeling good. I hope that Sunday feels like Sunday for you. If you're in the building, I just want to say welcome to all of you that are in the room, whether you're up top in the balcony or down on the floor with us. Maybe you're out in the lobby listening to one of the TVs or even in the family room. It's really good to have you. And then if you are attending online, I would love to welcome you as well. Thank you to all of you. Go ahead and give it up to everybody that's a part of the service today. It's good to see you. It's good to see you. Listen, I love Sundays, and I love the opportunity to be here. And I just want to do something this morning, uh, if I may. It's a little bit of a one-off. It's a little bit unique. But yesterday, um, I got a text from a friend of mine who pastors a church in St. Augustine. And so if you did not know this, uh, I'm a part of a network called The Collective. And what that is is a bunch of churches that come together, and we have a collective vision and mission that Jesus be above everything in our city. And so uh, there is loads and loads of churches throughout our community where us pastors get together on a regular basis. In fact, we spend two hours a month together in person, uh, meeting together, we pray together, uh, we resource one another, we help each other. And so I had a friend of mine yesterday text me and he said, hey man, I just want you to know that our church will be praying for Church on the Rock in our service tomorrow. And I just thought, dude, that's pretty stinking awesome that you would pause in your service and pray over our church specifically in your church. I just think it's really, really amazing. Do you mind if I open in prayer and pray for the collective churches in our community? Is that okay? I just want to, I'm just going to pray for all these churches that are associated to the collective. Friends like Pastor Tim who would say, man, we're going to pray for you guys specifically tomorrow. I just want to lift up what God's doing right now all throughout St. Augustine and congregations and church families just like ours. My prayer is that Jesus is promoted. My prayer is that life change would be a reality and that people would authentically connect to the loving heart of our God. Amen, everybody. Let's pray together. Father, I love you. I thank you so much for this morning, this day, this opportunity. And Father, uh, I love Church on the Rock. I, I've loved it my entire life. This is my house. This is where you've called me to be. And I'm so grateful to be a part of this church family and this church's mission. But God, I love the church so much. And I thank you, Father. I thank you so much that, that I, as a pastor, have friends all across this community, all across this region, all across the United States, uh, and even in North America, my pastoring friends in Canada and other places like that, I just thank you so much that I have the privilege to run in this race, Lord God, alongside brothers like those. Father, thank you that our church family is running in partnership, duet, Lord God, side by side, shoulder to shoulder, arm in arm with what you are calling us to do as, church, as the church across the world today. Father, thank you so much for our brothers and our sisters worldwide that are promoting Christ Jesus. So I just pray that just like in our service this morning and services happening all across our city, I just pray, Jesus, that you would be lifted up and that people's hearts would turn toward you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Thank you for letting me do that. I was just so blessed that somebody, man, we're going to pray for you. I thought, man, I'm going to pray for you back. You know, let's do that. Let's see. You pray for me, I'm going to pray for you back. Amen. Uh, so, hey, if you don't know, my name is Josh. I have the privilege to serve as the lead pastor here at Church on the Rock. I love what I am called and what I get to do. I love you guys. Even if we've not met, by the way, I love you. God put a heart in me for people, and I just love you so much. So thank you for being connected and being a part. And again, even if you're online, I know that a lot of people watch from long distances. I know that a lot of people catch playbacks. And I know that there are people that have some sort of limitation that doesn't allow you to be in the building for one reason or another, health or other. And so I just want to say to you guys how much 
I love and appreciate all of you. And just by the way, a little special shout out to my friends Chuck and Lene. Love you guys. Thanks for being connected. But we're in a series right now as a church, and we are calling this series Forever. And the emphasis really is on the number four. And if you're like, oh, great, Valentine's Day is on Tuesday, it's forever, I'm not married and we're going to do a relationship series. No, we're not. That's not what this is about. Now, it is relational because I'm talking very, very much about our relationship to God. I'm talking very, very much about our relationship with our church. But this is not a romance-themed series, all right? What we're talking about is this, this reality of what we believe God is trying to achieve in the hearts of all people everywhere. In fact, I think that what God started, like what he, what he wanted to do in these people that we're reading about in the story of Exodus, these Israelite people, I believe that God wants to do the same thing in you and in me. So let's get started. We're going to go to Exodus chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 6 and 7. And so I'm going to look at it on the screen with you. Exodus chapter 6, here's what's going on, is that Moses has been called by God to go get his, God's people Israel out of Egyptian slavery. And so we've all seen the movies, come on, right? We've all seen one kind of, whether it was Disney or other, you've seen the movies, and Moses would go to Pharaoh, and what would he say? Everybody say it with me. He would say, let my people very good. I can tell that a lot of you were here last Sunday because you have to have a little bassiness in that voice. You can't just say, hey, let my people go. You have to be like, let my, right? Like it's in line with the movie. But there's something else that's going on is that God doesn't just send Moses to Pharaoh with a word. He sends Moses to his people with a word. And this is that word. And here's what he says. Say to the Israelites, in other words, say to my people, and this is what I think God's trying to say to us, is that I'm going to do some things, and so I want you to say to them that I am the Lord. Come on, I could say amen right there. We could just call it a day. That's enough to sustain us. Amen, everybody? But we'll go deeper. We'll go deeper. He says, I am the Lord, and I'm going to bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I'm going to free you from being slaves to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people. It's a beautiful thing. And so I have these glasses of uh, grape juice, just in case you're curious, everybody, uh, in front of me here today. And here's what we've talked about last week. I'm not going into it this week. If you missed it, you would have to go back and catch the playback. But those four statements, these four I wills, as they're known, have a representation built around these four unique cups. And the first one is the cup of sanctification, and the second one is known as the cup of deliverance, and the next one is known as the cup of redemption, and then the last one is known as the cup of praise, and I just believe that it's called praise because you've had three glasses of wine by now, and it's starting to get really fun, you know what I'm saying? That might not be true, but it's funny to me every single time. It's probably the last time I'll say the joke. Okay, you've heard it now. It's like dad jokes. They never get old, the dads, you know? They're funny every time. But what we've been talking about is the fact that I believe that God himself is calling his people to constantly partake in these four cups. And, and we see it here. We, we see in the story of the freedom of Israel that he makes these promises that, man, I'm going to do some things in your life, and, and I'm going I'm to bring you out, and I'm going to free you, and I'm going to redeem you, and I'm going to take you. And then we've associated that to four things that I believe God's trying to, not only was he trying to do in the life of Israel, I believe with everything inside of me, he's trying to accomplish in our lives as well. And we'll put it on the screen for you. And, and again, I said it like this this week. If you call Church on the Rock your home, I would love for you to memorize those four things on the right side of the screen. 
like to know them. Like, hey, what's your church about? We want people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. I believe this is what God is trying to do in all of us. What he was, what he was doing then, he's still trying to do now. Hey, I'm going to bring you out. I want you to know God. I want you to know who I am. I, I would like to say it this way. It starts at salvation. Okay, yeah, I'm setting you up. It's just soft pitches. You can hit them. You can hit them right there. You know what I mean? It has to start at salvation. Let me be so bold as to say, I don't believe at all that you'll ever find freedom, discover a purpose, or make a difference until you've first known God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody can access my Father except through me. So at Church on the Rock, we just unapologetically preach Jesus over everything. This is who we are. And I just believe with all, of, all that's in me that God is like, hey, not only do I want to get you out of slavery, I want to get slavery out of you. Not only do I want you to be a Christian, I want you to fully understand why you're a Christian. Not only do I want you to be a part of a body of Christ, I want you to make a difference in the world today. I believe this is what God wants for you and for me. And we've said it this way. Man, we want people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. But I want to go a little bit deeper today. Can I, can I do that? I just want to layer just a little bit deeper because I know that there are people who would say, yeah, but that's Old Testament. That's the Old Testament, Josh. And Jesus changed a lot of things. And I would agree with you. But I want to take you to the New Testament. And if I may, I would like to show you the exact same four things in the New Testament of our Bibles. Here we go. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to look at the screen with you. It's just more fun for me. This is the Apostle Paul. Let me give you some context. And the Apostle Paul, he's writing a letter to the Ephesian church. And as he gets into this letter, he's talking to them about how, basically, here's what he's saying. I'm, I'm praying for you guys. Like, hey, church of, of Ephesus, I pray for you. And these are the things that I pray. And here's what he says. I keep asking. I love the fervency. Come on, if you're praying and you're trusting God for something and you're like, I don't see anything changing, I don't see anything moving. Listen, the Bible tells us in James 5, chapter 5, verse 16, that, that the prayer of the righteous accomplishes much, everybody. Faithfulness, just keep on praying. And so the Apostle Paul says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may, say it with me, know him better. I really need you to know him better and better and better. He goes on to say, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And you remember at the, at the last verse of Exodus 6, he said, I'm going to make you, I'm going to take you as my people. And there's a significant thing that I want us to notice really quickly. And the first thing is this, that of these four cups, of these four statements, of these four agendas, if you will, of God in the life of those that would follow him starts with your salvation. It talks about your freedom and discovering your purpose. And then there's always this reality that I'm going to make you a people. I would like to declare that you will never find the fullness of God on your own. And I know, I know, some of you, I hear you. Well, I don't need church to be near God. Okay. Now, I don't need to go to church. The water's my church. And the golf course is my church. And my tree stand's my church. I preach to me too. Come on, I'm, I'm with you. 
whatever it is, but I will push back with everything inside of me that that is unscriptural to be separated from the body and under the headship of Jesus Christ. It cannot happen. The Bible does describe us to be the body and Jesus is the head. And thank God he's the head. Because <laughs> if I was the head, we'd be in a lot of trouble. We'd be all kind of trouble. We'd be so messed up. But thank God he's the head. And he's called us to be his body. And, and this cup of praise, this idea that like, man, I just, I, I, I need you to get all this stuff going on. And I need it to happen in the context of the body of Christ, like among my people. And here's what I want to show you. Let's throw the next slide up there. Tim, is that he says, I want you to know him better. Look, I want you to know God. I want the, I want the eyes of your heart to be enlightened. Like, I don't want to just take you out of slavery. I got to get slavery out of you because you might still think like a slave, believe like a slave, operate like a slave. Man, I need the eyes of your heart to be enlightened. I need you to find some freedom. I want you to know the hope to which I've called you. Discover the purpose of that calling. And then, man, listen, I'm, I'm going to make you a people. This is where dif the difference is made. This is where the cup of praise comes from. Listen, I want so bad to just preach on this one. We're going to get there in this series. We're going to get there in this series. But what I wanted to show you this morning is I wanted to show you the Old Testament and New Testament. I've only taken one example from the Old and one example from the New to show you that I see the agenda of God the same all throughout Scripture. And for anybody that might say, that might say, Hey, if it's not in the New Testament, you know, I don't think it's godly or whatever. But I hear, and I hear people push back on that. I was like, all right, well, cool. Let me prove it. Let me just show it to you. But here's something else I would say. And this is just, this is just me trying to pastor you, okay? That if anybody's ever teaching you to do, with, do away with the Old Testament of your Bible, I think you should stop listening. I, just, I would really like to say that with confidence. Because, yes, Jesus did come and he changed things. But the entire scripture, from the front to the back, page by page, word by word, verse by verse, the whole thing, listen to me carefully, is all about Jesus. In the beginning was the word. Like he's always been there. Everything, the prophecy points to Jesus, the story points to Jesus, the, the walk, even the 40-year journey that Israel would take through the wilderness following their leader. They were learning how to walk with God. The whole thing is about Christ himself. The whole thing is about knowing him more and more and more. Finding freedom from this thing and that thing and the other. Discovering my purpose for this season and the next. Making a difference both today, tomorrow, and in the future. I believe this is what God wants for and from his church. Those of us that walk with Christ Jesus. But what I want to unpack today is this. I would, I would hate for us to get the wrong idea of what God is trying to do in our lives. And here's what I mean. I think that it would be easy for us to, to, to look at these four things. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. And see it in a way that is linear. Let me explain what I mean by that. It, it would be easy for me as a person to just put that into a linear way of thinking. That okay. Like, I know God. Like, man, I gave my heart to Jesus at Church on the Rock on a Sunday when I repeated that prayer after Josh with the rest of my church family, and now I know God. And then I, I went to a life group, and, 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 I, and I talked about some stuff, and I had some addictions, and I had some issues, and, and you know what? Miraculously, I found some freedom. It's amazing. I'm not bound to the things that I used to be bound to anymore. Woo! And then I started to recognize 
that God had a purpose for my life. Like he, like he created me on purpose for a purpose, and he saved me on purpose for a purpose. The Bible says that he knit us together in our mother's wombs. Like we were formed. Of all the things in Genesis that God created, he spoke everything into existence except us. We were fabricated by hand. And I think that that picture is intentional to show the emphasis that God's heart has toward our hearts and our lives. Man, I found me a purpose and I'm just doing my thing and now I'm making a difference because I park cars or I open doors or I sing on the worship team or I serve in Camp Rock Kids and I'm, and I'm pouring into the next generation of our church or you fill in the blank, whatever it is. And then if, if we were to think about it in a way that's linear, eventually we get to the end. Well, I know God. Well, I found some freedom. Well, I discovered some purpose and I made a difference. I guess I did it. And I just want to be like, heck no, listen to me. Can I say it like that? Is that okay? It's too late. It's kind of out there. But I don't want us at Church on the Rock to think about this in linear terms. It's not like there's four steps in a journey of faith and then you're done. I want us to think about this as perpetual cycles. Because, and I'm probably going to repeat myself a lot in this series, so just bear with me. But I certainly can have a salvation moment for the first time where I know God for the very first time. But it's imperative that I know him better, more and more and more. And anybody in this room or tuning in online that's walked with God for any length of time would probably quickly attest to like, yeah, you can always know him more. I, so I've been married for just over 21 years to the same woman, to the same woman. And uh, I'm pretty proud of that. And I, man, listen, I love that girl like more than you can imagine. I'm telling you right now, favorite person on earth is my wife. And so I know her better than anybody else. I know her really well. But amazingly, I keep learning more about, like, how is it possible? And I know there are a lot of great husbands in this room, and you're like, man, I love her more now than I ever did, and we've been together forever, and I just can't get enough of her. And like, way, way to go, men, by the way. Love those women like that. Come on, somebody. But the thing, yeah, yeah, it's Valentine's Day. There's your romance. Cheers. All right. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, isn't it amazing? Like, how can I be with her? I've been with her more of my life than I was apart from her. More than half of my life, we've been in a relationship together, and yet still, I'm knowing her more. Well, it's an easy thing to understand if you're in a relationship with anybody. It doesn't even have to be a spouse. You might be single in this room or very young in this room, but you might have a sibling, you might have a child, you might have a friend, you might have a coworker, you might have a boss, and the same thing is true. You can always know somebody well, but you can always know them more and more and more and more. Am I making sense? But how much more could the, could the endless capacity of our one true living God, like how much more would that statement be true that, yeah, I may have met him, but like, I want to know him more and more and more and more. It's not a one and done. It's a cycle of my life. They're like, man, I need to know more and more and more about God. Well, how many of you know that you can find freedom from something? But how many of you know as soon as you find freedom from that thing, you need freedom from the other thing? Do I have any real people in the room? <laughs> right? I mean, this, the minute that it's like, yes, like a, mm, come on, I've got this, yeah, it's like, well, dang, there's something else. 
And it's just part of our lives, right? Because I, I, don't, I don't think that, that before we see Jesus face to face, we have an arrival point. I think a, the arrival point is heaven. So as long as we're here on earth, I, I, yeah, sure, I might find freedom from an addiction, let's say, but I might need to find freedom from maybe a, a bad attitude, or maybe I need to find freedom from an unhealthy habit in my life, or maybe I need to find freedom, whatever it may be, like I could always find freedom again and again and again and again. And although I may have some purpose in my life, like, man, I know what I'm trying to do and I know what God's calling me to and whatever, how many of you know that you can always discover new purposes? Just think about it in the seasons of life. You, there may have been a season where you were the employee, and that was your purpose. It's just, man, I'm going to be the best employee that I can be, and I'm going to be on time, and I'm going to get my job done, and I'm going to cross every T and dot every I, and I'm going to make sure that my boss is like, man, I'm so glad she's on my staff. She's amazing. But then there might be a season where you get promoted, and now all of a sudden you're in charge of some people, and the purpose would change, wouldn't it? I, I can't act like an employee anymore. I've got to act like a manager. There may be a season where you were, you were a manager, and now you're CEO. Maybe you own the company. And you're starting to realize, good Lord, there's a big difference in them steps. And anybody that owns a company knows it's hard to be at the top, but it's a new season. And based on whatever it is going on in your life, maybe your children are small right now, but eventually they're going to be lawyers, which means they're in middle school. <clears throat> best lawyers on earth are in every middle school across the country because they're right and they know it and you can't talk them out of it amen <laughs> and there's that season and then there's the season perhaps where they're off to college or maybe the nest is becoming empty maybe there comes the season now you're a grandparent like now it's really fun right like you're starting to like you're starting to realize like there's a reward for me when i don't kill my real children and they're called grandchildren, right? <laughs> All right, I'm, I need to move on. And so my point is, I could continue to elaborate one by one by one. The point is this, that this is not a linear equation. It is not for the follower of Jesus to only experience these cups one time. It is for the follower of Jesus to perpetually continually be consuming from these four cups all the time and I actually think that the best place to be as a follower of Jesus is when we are partaking in these four cups all the time together I don't have to only focus at one on a time one at a time I think I said that wrong I actually think that it should be like sip sip uh, sip 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 constant perpetual movement here and so I want to show you a picture I want to show you a picture, if I can, because I, I want to, I, want to uh, I think I'm ahead of my notes, but just there's the picture, because I want to talk to you this morning about the miracle in the middle. There's, there's like a miracle sweet spot for those of us that walk with God, and I believe it's in the middle of these four things happening in our lives all the time. The man, when I know God and I continue to know him more and more and more, and I'm finding freedom all the time, and I'm discovering new purposes, and I'm making a difference continually, I think when these things are perpetually moving in the life of the Jesus follower, there's a miracle that is taking place in the middle. I actually believe that the most fulfilled people on earth are living like that. And let me go on to say that doesn't mean everything's up and to the right. That, that doesn't mean that, like, oh, I, 
praise the Lord. I think God just walked in the backstage. Um, that is not to say that when I give my life to Christ, everything starts working out. Listen to me. If someone's preaching that gospel, they're not giving you the true gospel. The Bible has a lot to say about suffering for Christ. I'm telling you right now that um, people ask all the time, like, well, why do bad things happen to good people? Can I be very bold and to say we are not good people? And I know they're nice people, and I know that they're contributors to society, but according to the law of God, all have sinned and fallen short of his glory. The only thing that makes us good is Christ Jesus. Remember, people were talking about Jesus, and they called him good, and he even said, why do you call me good? Only God is good. And here he is walking as a man, and how many of you know he was pretty good? I think he was just humble. But my point is this, that I, would, I am not going to proclaim a gospel that says, give your life to Jesus and everything will be great. You'll always have enough money, your kids will behave, you'll always get the promotion, your dreams will come true, because that may not be the case. Now, that may happen for a lot of people, and that's great. But regardless of your circumstances, fulfillment is found in the center. It's the miracle in the middle. As I'm telling you right now, there have been times in my life where I have been without a lot, hurting, had, had betrayals taken place. There's been seasons in my life where it's like I don't even have enough money to, make, like, to pay the bills at the end of the month. I'm like, God, what are you doing? And I knew somehow that there was a miracle taking place in the middle of it all because I was right where God was calling me to be. And so I just want to put you at ease that if you're like, I do not understand what's going on in my life right now. It feels too heavy. It feels overwhelming. Here's what I would say. Listen, just start partaking in these cups because there is a miracle in the middle. And so I want to go deeper with this. Can I do that? At our church, and this is like where it gets super practical, okay? So you might expect the preacher to say, you should come to the stuff our church does, Right? I think it's actually part of the reason I hide, this is going to sound terrible, I don't like to tell people I'm a pastor. I don't lead with that. I'm not embarrassed about what I do. I've committed my entire life to doing what I do. I love this role. I love it. But I just don't lead with it. I just want to be like a part of this church. Like I just want to be a Christian that goes to a church. And so I, I just start there. And then my passion for Christ I want to present that when I can. And then if I'm like, man, you should totally come to our church. Like, I really think you would like it. Like, yeah, like, yeah, man, our preacher's kind of funny. I think you'll like him. You know, or whatever. <laughs> My friend Adam, he pastors in West Jacksonville. That's what he always tells people. Oh, you'll love our church. Our preacher's hilarious. I'm like, that's hilarious. All right. So anyway. <laughs> I just, I, I like to lead that, like, and I just love Jesus. Like, if they end up showing up to our church, great. They'll find out on the path, whatever. They'll figure it out. But if they don't ever come, I just want them to know they met a guy that loves Jesus. All right, let me, let me tell you my point, that you might expect the pastor to be like, come do the stuff the church does. But what I want to say, and I just want to proclaim, is that, like, Church on the Rock, like, if this is going to become your, your home church, if you're, if you're saying of all the churches, and there's a lot of good ones, like, right around us, by the way, but if this is the church, you're saying, I'm going to tie to that vision. I'm going to connect to that church family. I'm going to engage in their mission. I just want you to know that we do not do stuff just to do stuff. Like, what's the point? We do stuff because we want people to experience the miracle in the middle. So we do things like church services. And I always like to remind us, like, this isn't church. Like, you're the church. It is this microphone. And my team has told me, if that happens, go get the other one. But I can't stand holding a microphone, so I'm going to keep trying. 
And if it, I tell you what, if it happens twice more, I'll get the other one. Fair? Give it two more strikes, okay? Two more. I know that wouldn't line up with baseball rules, but let's go with that. Okay. So at our church, like, church services are not just so that we can sing and preach. They're so that we can, we can experience, like, I want you to know God more. And then I, I love to say it this way. I stole it from some brilliant preacher somewhere else. But he said this, like, hey, we're, we're good in rows, but we're great in circles. And so when we do life together, like in our life groups and on our serve teams, and when we interact with one another relationally, like authentically connect to each other in actual relationship with each other, like that's where freedom gets found. Because the best thing in the world is when you discover you're not the only one. When you start to realize, like, whoa, wait a second, like, you seem really spiritual to me, but you struggle with that, too, because that's my problem. And then all of a sudden, you have somebody that's relatable and real, but, like, you love Jesus, too. Well, what are you doing? Well, how do you go about that? Well, I don't, I don't even know where to start in my Bible. Where did you start? And all of a sudden, like, we start to find freedom together in relationships. And the reason that we serve together is because, one, we feel like God calls us to make a difference. And, two, like, God wired us a certain way. So it's like, well, gosh, if I'm introverted and quiet and I just want to be behind the scenes, we have loads of serve opportunities that would fit your personality perfectly. But if you're the type, there's some of you sitting right now in this auditorium and you're thinking, like, I could do it better than him. Well, there's places for you. You know what I'm saying? Like God wired you a certain way. Maybe you're a leader. Maybe you're a communicator. Maybe you've been called to be a voice into other people's lives. Like we just make that available. Why? Because we actually want you to experience the miracle that happens in the middle. Because what I believe with all of my heart is when the follower of Christ is drinking from every single one of these cups, they're experiencing what we call full devotion. In other words, God, I'm all in to what you're offering me. I just, I want it all. I don't want to just be a Christian. I, I actually want to go on a journey with you and get freedom from junk. I would like to know more, God, about how you want to use me so that I can actually go impact other people's lives. And so we do the stuff, all access and life groups and Camp Rock Kids and youth ministry and prayer services and church services and all, like, outreach and, and life groups. And we, wh why do we do that stuff? Because we facilitate the opportunity for us to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Because some of us don't know how to do it, and others of us do. And so when we get together, what happens is we start to teach one another how to maybe read scripture, how to pray. Like if you struggle with your prayer life, take some time off work, go in late, call in sick, don't do that one, but do something and just show up to a Tuesday morning prayer service at 7 a.m. and watch people pray. Just sit back and watch how people pray. And what's that going to do? It's going to start to train, like, oh, okay. Well, maybe I'm the type of person that I, I'll, I'll pace around and pray too. They walk and pray. That seems like my style. Or, you know what, I'm going to kneel down like that person. Or, you know what, I'm just going to listen to how other people pray so that maybe I can help learn how to have a conversation with God. Like, what's the big idea of all this stuff that we do? It's not to get you to attend. It's to get you to experience the miracle in the middle. To become fully devoted followers of Christ. First Kings chapter 8 says this, 
let your heart be completely devoted to the Lord our God, to walk in his statutes, to keep his commands. Can I paraphrase? To do it the way that he wants us to do it. And here's what I would say, it's just a statement, that devotion to God comes from our pursuit of God. Devotion to God comes from our pursuit of God. And there are some of us that that is like easier for you to do. You're just like, yeah, man, I like, mm, I just love it. And then there's others who's like, I don't even know exactly what that looks like. I'm not sure how to make, like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm trying. There are others of you that here's, can I preach for a minute? <clears throat> there are others of you, you want to know God so you have a ticket to heaven, but you don't want to experience a life with God because you're pursuing other things. And I know that's heavy. But can I be honest with you? There are times where I catch myself just trying to do one thing. But then I'm not in the middle. I'm not fulfilled. I'm not at peace. Everything seems to be chaotic. I feel distanced from God. Why? Because I'm not partaking in the process that God would like me to partake in as a follower of his. Man, I want you to always be consuming these cups as you pursue me. So I'm going to shotgun a couple of verses to you as we close, okay? Just promises. In fact, I'll just do it on the screen. Just first one. Go ahead, Tim. The Bible says, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. While you can find him. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, Turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. What a promise. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah, he says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. James chapter 4, verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now I want you to notice what the rest of that verse says. Wash your hands, sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Like, like when we start living in the process that God wants this cycle, this, this fully devoted miracle in the middle, there are going to be times that God is going to set us free from things, listen to me, that right now you grip. Sometimes we don't have freedom because we don't let go. And you keep blaming the devil, and you keep blaming social media, and you keep blaming websites, and you keep blaming taxes, and you keep blaming the government, and you keep blaming your influences, and you keep blaming your boss, and you keep blaming your spouse, and you keep blaming your kids. I just want to say sometimes God says, if you'd let that go, I'd give you freedom. But then there are times that we don't even know things are grabbing hold of us. And God's like, if you'll just follow me, I'll give you freedom. And I just believe that full devotion comes from the pursuit of God, to walk toward him. And so constantly, constantly, I'm having to always check myself. Because it's easy for me to find myself in pursuit of other things. Sometimes I'm in pursuit of comfort. 
God, I, I, just, I just want a break, God. I would like it to just be easy, please. Can I just, can I just disassociate my mind from your word so that I can please, and, and, I'll, and I'll look for something comfortable or easy. And then I have to remind myself, man, pursue God. Pursue God at all costs. Full devotion, experience the miracle in the middle. There are just times that our pursuit goes in the wrong places. Sometimes I can pursue things that are healthy. Can I be really honest with you? And I know this is going to make some of you like mad at me because maybe it doesn't work like this for you, but I actually have to be intentional not to keep my wife first. seems crazy, especially if your marriage is like hard, but it's just a thing. I actually have to be really focused. It would be easy for me to just pursue her above anything else, but I have to pursue God for Jesus over everything, so I got to pursue him for me to put chasing whitetail above God. Every fall, there's an internal battle in your pastor, I'm telling you right now. Because I'm serious about it, I'm passionate about it, and I want to be good at it, so I work hard and study and all that stuff, and I have to keep my heart in check. This is not the most important thing. What do you really pursue, Josh? The heart of God, the heart of God, the heart of God. And there are times that I have to make sure that like, I've got to engage in the things that help me pursue God, which means faithfulness to authentic relationships that happens for me in my groups. Faithfulness to God's house and God's people. It matters, Church on the Rock. I've got to be faithful to his house and to his people. Faithful to his word. Can I say it like this? trying to say to you is that the stuff that the church does isn't so that people will do stuff. It's so that people can experience the miracle in the middle. A life that is fully devoted to the Father. So every head bowed, every eye closed. Bible, a character in scripture, his name was Zacchaeus, and he was despised by people, and Jesus was spending some time at his house, hanging out, and church people come to Jesus, and they start questioning, what on earth are you, Rabbi?
That's what they called him. Why would you hang out with a notorious sinner? And Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. And listen to me, if you're in this room or listening to this message through a podcast or watching it online live or catching a playback of it later, because some of you are far from God never partaken in the first cup you do not know God in fact some of you might consider yourself to be a notorious sinner some of you may have a reputation some of you may feel like I can't go to church I'm not good enough to be there and what I would say to you is that Jesus has a heart for you like he had a heart for Zacchaeus and I would say the rest of this verse verse 10, for the Son of Man, this is Jesus speaking of himself, the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Whether you're in this room or you're tuning in online, hey listen, sometimes we're just lost. And I would like to lovingly and yet boldly say that if you are not in a personal relationship with God, his son, Jesus Christ, my friend, you're lost. And I just want you to hear me say, Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to set sinners free. He came to make all things new. This former life, this reputation, this notorious sinning that you may be known for, whether by others or by yourself, doesn't have to be true of you Bible says if any person is in Christ, they are a brand new creation. The old is gone and all things become new. And what I would love to do right now is just invite you to say a prayer with me. Because the Bible says that if we would believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that we would be saved. And if that's you, and you say, man, I want to experience the miracle in the middle. The cycle starts with knowing God. This is your opportunity. I would love to introduce you to my friend, Jesus. So what I would love to do is invite you to just repeat a prayer after me. And all of our church family, we're going to say it along with you because this is your moment. We want you to be able to say this boldly before the Lord because today is the day that you're no longer far. You're near because you will know God. Here's our prayer. I want you to say, dear Jesus, I give you my life, all of it. Come into my heart. Forgive me my sin. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. All that I am.